Welcome back for another helping of oysters, clams, and cockles. I am your host, Ross Boland, joined today as always by your other host, Mr. Barrett Dudley, to bring you the best TV shows and movies weekly in an easily digestible podcast packed with laughs. Barrett, I took a day off yesterday. Uh, for the first time in 2020, I took in some nature. Yeah, yeah, I saw that on your uh, on your on your gram. Went out to the old Enchanted Rock. Now, how far of a drive is that? It's about an hour and a half. Okay, all right. Yeah. So it was a little day trip. It was a little day trip uh, to go out to a rock that's enchanted. It felt good. Then I got yeah. home, watched the finale this, of the uh, great. Was this solo self care? Did you have a, a, a buddy with you? I had a compadre. Okay, all right. Yeah, solo self care. I can't be trusted in the wild. <laughs> I can't yeah, be. I didn't know if you nature. just like went like full on, you know, walkabout like vision quest, like might to, never out, come back out type to thing. Rock, you know, Joshua Tree, that on, you know, sure, sure, the whole thing. Yeah, no, yeah. I didn't go yeah. that far. Do some shrooms, maybe next month. See some dinosaurs in the in that old rock there. <laughs> <laughs> Not quite, but okay. uh, still enjoyed myself. Yeah, uh, yeah. Knocked out the finale of the great. Very excited for today's show. You've also been outdoors. I saw you. Uh, oh, I have been doing outdoors man doing man stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I have been earning my beers, Ross. You have. And I tell you what, there's just there's just nothing like, you know, an icy cold one after you put in a full day of just using your hands outdoors. Sure. Get getting her done. You were, That's what I've been doing. I've been getting her done. Were you wearing gloves when you were getting her done? <clears throat> oh, I, you got to wear gloves out there, especially when you're handling. I'm handling. I'm handling wood. There's. I'm handling wood. I've got all sorts of posts and pickets. You respect wood. I'm drilling stuff. I'm sawing stuff. I'm using a circular saw. Have you always been uh, good at man stuff like this? Well, or is this I, a more I, recently learned skill? I have a good background in man stuff. My dad is very handy. You're an Eagle Scout. And I'm an Eagle Scout. And so I took I took it all in. It's just that I-, I You've never put it, it to practice. I've never really put it to practice. Okay. This is not something, and 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 let's be real. I'm not a, I'm not a guy that is like- I'm gonna go build I'm shit. I'm gonna go build shit. Like I don't, I, I, you know, it does, you get a nice sense of accomplishment when you do this, but it's not something that I seek out. You're not taking the right? rear differential off your car, no, putting I'm it back definitely on not, or I'm some not shit. Taking any, I'm not taking off any rear differentials. And I kind of, I usually, I generally have to be, you know, coaxed into doing this type of, of big lab, laborious project. Sure. Um, but once I'm out there, I, I can, I can hold my own. You know, I'm, I'm out at Home Depot renting the GD best breaker on the darn market, the Hilti. Oh, hell yeah. Hell yeah. The Just, And I'm, I'm getting that. I'm getting it done. You know, busting up the rock. Do you know that, that down in South Austin where, where we live, uh-huh. all of our houses just sit on like a quarry, just like nothing but limestone yeah, underneath Yeah, we all them. have foundation problems. Yeah. And it's just, and so any t- you try to dig a two foot post hole down in South Austin and it is a absolute nightmare. Because you're just trying to break up straight up straight limestone. Did you after get a jackhammer going? That's the Hilti breaker that I had going. Oh, yeah, the breaker, the breaker. That is the fucking yeah. It's yeah. It's like a it's like a lightweight jackhammer, basically. A Hilti. A, the Hilti. Yeah. You know what's funny? I've got a little not a full blown post like y'all had that mm-hmm. you ripped out with your bare hands. Which, by the way, I saw on his Instagram mm-hmm. at Barrett mm-hmm. Dudley, uh, <laughs> where he was doing this manual labor man work and showing off the guns on the gram. Yeah, yeah. I have a a, a pole. All right, like a hollow pole, right? But it was snapped off at the bottom. It's like somebody tried to do what you did, but they fucked right, up. Right. And so it's just this jagged pole. I might need a Hilti. You you might. You still you got might. the Hilti? I know. I had to. I had to get oh, it back to Home Depot. No more yeah. hours on the Hilti. No more. No more Hilti hours for me. Son of a bitch. We're on to uh, 
So just drilling in some uh, some fence pickets. Well, I respect the grind and the hustle. Yeah, I see you out there doing this. We got work. it. You know, there's that's what there is to do right now is being outside and and getting projects done. So hey, what what better time to improve the old home front? Exactly, exactly. Yeah, we're starting out with everyone's favorite segment today: tidbits and such with Barrett. Yes. Then we're going to be covering the season one finale of Perry Mason on HBO and kind of discussing season one of Perry Mason as a whole. That's chapter eight, of course. There was chapters to Perry Mason on HBO, not episodes, chapters. And then, Clam Fam, we will be reviewing season one of Hulu's The Great together, finally, as I just finished the finale uh, this morning. I started it yesterday, finished this morning. But first, this episode of OCC is brought to you by Felix Gray Glasses. Barrett and I both constantly have our faces and screens from morning to night. There's no cutting back now more than ever. All of us are relying on technology to get our jobs done, to stay in touch with family and friends. Screens are here to stay. They are unavoidable people. You have to protect your ojos, which means eyes in Spanish. There are a lot of blue light glasses on the market, but they're not all created equally. Many blue light glasses don't filter enough blue light especially in the range that matters. Screens produce most blue light at a certain point in the spectrum, 455 nanometers. Most clear blue light lenses only filter about 2 to 3% in that range. Felix Gray uses a proprietary filtering technology to filter 15 times more blue light in the same range. Too much screen time can result in tired, dry eyes, headaches, blurry vision, trouble sleeping. I've been wearing contacts and glasses since I was like 14 years old. Live in the allergy capital of the world, all too familiar with the symptoms that can come from uh, too much screen use. But since I've been rocking Felix Grays, specifically the Nash and the Faraday frames that I have, I love them both. My symptoms? I always say the Faraday. Relieved. With the Faraday, it's going to be a good day. A uh, fair day indeed, Barrett. Felix Gray filters out 90% of blue light in the most damaging range and eliminates 99% of glare through a proprietary industry-leading lens technology only available with Felix Gray. Nine in ten Felix Gray customers report significant symptom relief. Felix Gray frames are hand-finished from durable, super lightweight Italian acetate. With over 200,000 happy customers, Felix Gray isn't just the right choice, it's the only choice you got to feel it for yourself. Slide on those Felix Grays, get that relief. It's going to blow your mind. Available in prescription, non-prescription, and readers. They have you covered with optical glasses for work and sleep glasses in the evening that are clinically proven to increase melatonin secretion when worn leading up to bedtime. And you can try them for 30 days risk-free by going to felixgrayglasses.com OCC for the absolute best quality blue light filtering glasses on the market. That's F-E-L-I-X-G-R-A-Y glasses.com slash OCC. Do what I did. Start taking care of your eyes. Feel better. Work smarter. Shipping and returns are totally free at Felix Gray. FelixGrayGlasses.com slash OCC. And now, to open today's show, it's time for tidbits and such. Oh, yeah. I got some Barrett. tidbits. I got some such. Um, yeah. Okay. Let's start. <laughs> I was scrolling Twitter uh, this past week, and one of the accounts that I, that I like to follow, it's a part of New York Magazine. It's called The Cut. And it's kind of this this uh, female driven um, pop culture, entertainment, fashion, kind of everything in between. And they just they they've always got fun stuff to to read. It says fashion, beauty, politics, sex, and celebrity. Yeah, all all of the above. So there was this there was this post called "I think about this a lot." The time Robert Pattinson blatantly lied on the Today Show. And it's this story about how it's just a re- it's a recalling of a time when Robert Pattinson went on the Today Show, and he was uh, he was doing the he was doing press for a movie called Water for Elephants. It, it starred uh, Christoph Waltz and Reese Witherspoon as well. I recall. 
It's supposed to be a quite a big deal. It was the only movie that he got out during his Twilight run. Okay. You know, it was the only it was the only thing it was the only like motion picture he did during that that four picture run with uh, with the Twilight series. And had Reese Witherspoon and had Reese Witherspoon, Christoph Waltz, Waltz, right off of and Glorious Bastards, I believe. That's a hell of a cast. So, the first piece of the tidbit, the tid, not the bit, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. is just when we do these top fives. I always you you we look at these lists, and a lot of the times, I'm like. I'm left with this feeling, and by lists, I mean we look at these IMDb pages, right? We sure. look at the filmography of various actors, mm-hmm. and I'm like, man, like, how did this person become so famous when there isn't all that, when there doesn't seem like there's that much massive stuff in here, right? You ever get that sense? Yes. Like, and in, in, in e- even looking at a page like Denzel's, where you're like, man, this dude has been in so many movies, so many great films. You look at some of the stuff and you're like, why don't I remember that movie? Right. This this whole thing just got got me to thinking. Water for Ellens, by the way, was kind of just ended up being a flop. Very forgettable. It didn't do anything. Nobody's yeah. ever seen it. Never heard shit about it. Never after heard the shit previews about it. Yeah. Or the pretty much. Whatever. Yeah. It just got, it got me to thinking how many films were supposed to be big deals that weren't. Right. And that I mean, it, it's no one like there's so many things that play into why all of these studios like basically don't want to churn out anything except for Avengers 19 and Fast and the Furious 11. Mm-hmm. Right. Because they're just, it's all about low like risk management and they want, they just want to hit home runs. They want to be guaranteed a home run with all of this shit. Once they have a franchise that works, they're yeah, like, this, uh, is the this is the money makers. Screw Let's doing water. Don't want to do anything else. Yeah. But it, it's just kind of interesting because I think that's really the thing. I think when we go back and we look at these lists and you're like, nothing's, nothing's standing out to me here except for one or two things. I think it's a lot of those movies were supposed to be big deals or they were at the time for like a month or two when they released. There's just so many forgettable films out there. Oh, I don't, God, yeah. So um, so you went through Robert Pattinson's IMDb? I didn't. I didn't even go look at it. It just the, Now, to finish the story, just the, 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 the one kid. that the cut reported on, he came on, he was doing Water for Elephants, which is about a, a circus. And Matt Lauer asked Robert Pattinson, like, what his experience with the circus was. Had he ever been? Yada, yada. And Robert Pattinson goes on to just, like, bold-faced lie sh- with a straight face for the entire segment about how he'd only been to the circus once when he was a kid. And a clown car exploded, killing a clown in the entire theater and the entire like audience had to basically like evacuate and rush out of the theater because this clown had just died what in the (laughs) okay so this ends up being so so also robert pattinson i i i like i like him and i think he's i think he's a super weird kind of quirky dude but it's just a I, i certainly did not recall this story of him just going on to and you know it the I just like it when when these actors kind of troll some of this inane bullshit that they have to do sometimes. It's like uh, it's the, the Today Show is a, bun- is a bunch of bullshit. Yeah, Matt Lauer, you know, before he was a total dickhead, um, you know, predator. Yeah, he was outed as part of the Me Too movement, correct? Yes, yeah. was just a regular old, you know, douchebag. Uh huh. Yeah, pretty, pretty. And much. so I like that Robert Pattinson came on this show and, and just, just made, made up a lie up. about and and told this you know, falsified story about watching a clown die at a circus. <laughs> this is the question he asked. Lauer followed up. 
How did he die? Pattinson answered immediately. His little car exploded. The joke <laughs> car exploded on him. And apparently Lauer was like, are you being serious right now? And he said, seriously, yeah. My parents had to, everybody ran out. It was terrifying. It was the only time I've ever been to the circus. Yeah. Wait, so how'd they find out this was a lie? Because like two weeks later when he continued, the, when he was continuing the press tour, somebody else asked about this story uh-huh. and he was like, oh no, I just made that up. <laughs> <laughs> it reminds me of like athletes, uh, how they have to do these the press, conferences press conferences and, and interviews yeah. after the fact. Like more athletes should do shit like this. Just yeah. wrangle in insane, falsified, totally. total fake stories. Yeah. What a weird... Um, but so interesting story and also just got me to thinking about how many movies out there are like Water for Elephants, where they were, in 2011, bunch of trailers, big name stars, was supposed to be like this big hit, and then they just were forgettable, totally forgettable. And that's that's a lot that's a lot of films. Yeah, no, and truly, every once in a while, I'll stumble upon one where I'm like, that was pretty good. How come nothing ever happened mm-hmm. with this? But most of them, it's like, it's just really, really hard to make a good movie or a good TV show, man. Like, yeah. we don't give enough credit to that. Yes. As a society. Um, So, on to the such now here. The two shows that we're going to be talking about today, The Great and Perry Mason, have Mm -hmm. both been picked up for second seasons. Jackpot. So, obviously, we'll probably be waiting a while for them. Sure. Um, On the flip side, but but they have been renewed. So, we will get more Perry Mason. We will get more The Great. Both certainly set themselves up to continue as well. They did indeed. Another show that also set itself up to continue and that I really enjoyed, put out, put on my, my half-year top five list, has been canceled. High Fidelity on Hulu. People are up in arms about this. And um, not a lot of information has come out about this, but... About why? About why or how, because by all accounts, it was a... I, you know, we don't know the... We, we never get the numbers, the viewership numbers on this on the streaming shows because they don't have to give them out uh but by all accounts was a pretty well-liked show it had a pretty big star in zoe kravitz and uh it didn't make it through to a second season didn't get any emmy noms what what i have read heard listened to on another podcast them kind of like dissect what probably was going on here this is probably a casualty of the pandemic Mm. it's shot on location in new york which is super expensive to do. It had Zoe Kravitz, who probably has a pretty full schedule of things she's committed to. Is she hot right now? And it sounds like it's most likely... There's also some words in like the Variety or the Hollywood Reporter um, report on it that basically was like, th- there were on- ongoing negotiations, and it failed. It, it like was canceled amid ongoing negotiations. So a bit, so I don't know if it was a money issue, a budget issue, contractual issues, or what. But I imagine that had things, you know, had we not been stricken with uh, with our with our nightmare scenario, mm-hmm. that the, this pro- this show probably goes on. Yeah, because it had it, a lot of positivity. It had a lot it. of positivity, and you know, I, I know that all of these streaming networks are moving more and more towards operating like real networks where they are very much like looking at the bottom line. They're looking at what this show brings in versus how much it costs them to make it. And, but it, but at the same time, they also like to have these networks like to have this cool shit on the shelf, you know? And that, that show high fidelity with Zoe Kravitz in it 
would have been an awesome one to have three or four seasons of sitting in the Hulu vault that you can always come back to and always have. And so it, it, it doesn't, even if viewership wasn't huge, even if it wasn't like drawing in a ton of, ton of new memberships and, and doing that type of work for the, for the streaming service, it still seems like one that they would have picked back up to continue. So I, I think that, I don't know. It, it has to be outside circumstances. It's, 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 it feels like outside circumstances, but it's a bummer nonetheless because I really liked it. I was looking forward to seeing how they how they continued it because that's the other piece of it, right? Like there's the book, there's the John Cusack movie. Both of them end at the same point. So this was going to be the first time that, they've gone that like one that. of these kind of reboots or one of these interpretations of, of the novel like gets to go past and like really become its own thing. Now, so. I haven't watched High Fidelity season one. Do you think there's any chance that it was based on the, uh, I guess... Obviously, a lot of factors could come into play, right? You just mentioned all of them. Budgeting, contractual obligations, yada, yada, yada. Yeah. But did with the way the season ended, did you have confidence that they were going to be able to do what has not been done before and take the story beyond the books and the yes, other movie? Yes, I did think they were going to. And I mean, you know, small silver lining is that season one does end. It's, it's an open-ended ending, you know? Like, it, it certainly allows for, like, lots of possibility. Right. But it also does kind of wrap up the story in a way that's in a way at least pleasing. So it's at least sort of pleasing. It definitely leaves you wanting more, but it also kind of finishes up that chapter. And so, you know, um, the thing that really surprised me about seeing that news that Hulu had chosen not to go forward with or wasn't able to get to go forward with uh, season two of High Fidelity. Mm -hmm. It's not as if Hulu is one of these networks that has. 40 shows backed up in their in their archive as classics that you know people would roll through or whatever and as we've talked about this past couple years before the pandemic we had sort of hit this place where sh these these networks Hulu, Netflix, Amazon they're putting out as much as they can mm -hmm. to get this massive catalog that pe right. keeps people locked in right and what's surprising to me is it's it's, it's typical with great shows that your first season is not the best and then they build from there, yes. right? So yeah. it's like if you had canceled The Sopranos after season one or The Wire. I mean, there's just, there are shows where, and I'm not saying either of those first seasons weren't great. I'm just saying as examples, I feel like you really don't know sometimes until a couple few seasons in what you have in terms of longevity and in terms of where it will sit in the great history lexicon of television. And, and yep. so it's a shame to see that opportunity sort of uh, go to the wayside. Indeed. Um, final piece here, final bit. We have come to a, a, uh, an early agreement, you and I, to watch Yellowstone. We're going to do it, finally. Yes. After probably a year and a half of people screaming at us to watch <laughs> Yellowstone and me c continuously screaming back, I can't, my dog Bruce won't let me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I have decided to take steps to make this possible. Yeah. He will be spending time in the living room alone <laughs> as I watch in the bedroom. Yeah. So, um, He doesn't like horses, to be clear, for are, those of you who we are aware. We're going to be uh, benevolent here, and we're going to keep the Yellowstone talk, even through the first two seasons, which are now old seasons, mm -hmm. here on the Out of Base show. And we're wrapping up two shows today, so there's a solid chance that we might break into a little talk next week. For this show, it's entirely possible. It's entirely possible. So both I'm, the things I'm, we were watching. Yeah, I'm very much looking forward to it. The reviews have been phenomenal. You guys have been 
barking at us for a long time that we needed to watch the show that we were dump dummies for not watching it and so we uh we're finally we're finally picking up this torch and and uh something to look forward to probably the show that i have not watched i'm trying to think if there's any others that real like this is the one i'm probably most excited about that yeah. i've never got the chance to dive into that seems directly up my alley i know the general premise of the show obviously a big fan of uh some of the actors in the show. Yep. Seen plenty of great things come from some of these people. Yep. And yeah, I'm, I'm stoked. Remind me what network is it on? It's, oh, it's, it's, it's from the Paramount these... Network, but we're now able to watch it from Peacock. Ah, Peacock. Now, I'll probably, might be something that I get into tonight. I will let you know, let you know, uh-huh. if watching it through Peacock involves uh, commercials and how many. Okay. I don't know. Can I make a Peacock noise? Uh, if you can make a Peacock noise. Okay. Yeah. There we, we go. We had a peacock outside our office for several we did, years. We did. So I'm not. I'm not too bad at it. Yeah. Excited as hell to finally dive in. Uh, oh, I wanted to mention one thing about Robert Pattinson. Yeah. He's obviously in Tenet. Yes. Do we know when we're getting that yet? We do not. Also, he's in the Batman. He is the Batman, and he's playing Bruce Wayne. Yeah. Which is going to be uh, when it was announced. Obviously, was an interesting mixed bag of uh, responses to that. He. He. I have faith in this cat. I do too, and I, I think that. Not, I I I think I'm correct here. Neither of us have seen Good Time yet, although you did watch Uncut Gems. Correct. I keep seeing the damn. It's on Netflix, right? Uh, or one, it's on one of the streamers. I yeah. think it's Netflix, and I keep seeing the fucking little square with it. Yeah, and I'm like, ah, oh, soon, soon. Yeah, soon. for sure. But I I think that was that was certainly one of the first films where it was like, oh shit, this guy has got chops. This dude is this dude can be really cool on screen. Does it is have, on. It is on do, Netflix. Does have skill, and uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, so I'm. I'm pretty. I'm excited to see him, kind of go through his own renaissance here, where he gets to do the big budget flick and like a dark superhero role. I'm obviously very excited about Tenant when eventually it's available to go see. So yeah, the Pattinsons. The Pattinsons could be coming. Tenant's release date now looks like it's September third, twenty twenty. Mm. I don't Liberty know if that's, weekend action? it's been delayed we'll three see. freaking times. Yeah. yeah, I don't I don't have a whole lot of confidence that we're going to get to see that this year. Yeah. But, uh, all right, well, was that all the such? That's all the tid, the bit, and the such. Love it. Gave it to you all. Let I us... left it all out on the floor. Oh, we appreciate that always. <laughs> Let us dive in and close out Perry Mason uh, season one with chapter eight. We came to a close this past Sunday night. Of uh, of Perry Mason, HBO's new L.A. noir uh, detective series based in what the fifties, thirties, thirties. I was close. <laughs> and uh, man, I I'll say this: it didn't go the way I planned or that I anticipated. It was sort of like we'll just dive straight into yeah, it. And if you haven't in. finished Perry Mason, obviously skip to the next segment. The mistrial was the first thing where I was like. Oh, well, oh, oh, okay. Because that's not a definitive win no, or no. a loss. You can be tried again pretty much immediately, which I think the DA would have a full intention of doing. So from what I understand about mistrials based on both things I've seen in pop culture, TV, film, and also in real life, when when there is a mistrial, especially for a case that would have been big like this, mm-hmm. it is generally not retried. Because, A, 
the city and the DA just spent a ton of money prosecuting the first time and failed and failed to, to get a charge to get a charge. So it's so it's a conviction to get a conviction. So one, it looks bad. It's n- it's not a good look. That that and that that certainly what like kind of one of the reasons why they went that direction because they're setting him up to to get replaced eventually by this Harrison Burger guy. I, I would expect the dude that's the like assist- helping out the assistant DA who's gunning for his job for Stephen oh, Root's job. Okay, the guy she kept meeting with in the coffee yeah, shop. Yeah, he wants. That's the DA where job. he's gonna come in. Yeah. Oh shit. Um, so so while he can say we definitely intend to to retry it. His bosses probably would be like, no, you you failed. And he's probably so that, going to lose that's his job. Why, that's why if you, it, yeah, he might not get reelected. But that's that's kind of the, the implication of a mistrial is that the city won't retry it because it's too expensive and it doesn't look good to do so. Okay. It says a mistrial. And you, you clearly didn't have a good enough case the first time around. What makes you, like, that, that type of thing. Right. A mistrial, if a mistrial is declared, according to the internet, one of three things typically happens. The prosecutor dismisses the charges, a plea, gar- plea bargain or agreement is made, or another criminal trial is scheduled on the same charges. And it's obviously circumstantial based on how that first trial went, why it became a mistrial, what went wrong. What we find out in the case of Perry Mason Chapter 8 is that not only was there a mistrial, it was because there were three jurors who could not be swayed mm-hmm. And one of those three jurors was actually being paid off. Playing dirty. By Strickland. Yeah. Our boy was out there making it happen. Now, did did you get the impression that Perry knew about Strickland's actions? That's what they're meeting on the bridge to talk about. When he's like, oh, you said shit. you were almost out of moves. What's like? He's oh, like, my so God. What? Okay. Yeah. Okay. I so thought Perry- he was referring to putting her ass on the stand. Yeah, no, that's the the. I mean, they had faked, they had faked you that way, but they pumped faked the shit out of me. And then. then they, and then it comes back around that they were cheating, that they played dirty. What? And they didn't even need to. And that, they did, and that they ended up not needing to. Now I wonder if Strickland told Perry that bit of it, because when obviously the juror that they bribed mm-hmm. reveals to Strickland, right? I would just want to know if I got paid the same as these other right two people, and he's like, "What other two people?" He's like, <laughs> "You mean?" You mean I was the only one getting paid? He's like, by golly, that's great. Like, they would have had the mistrial anyway. He's like, hey, you guys didn't even need me. (laughs) And Strickland's just like, ah, fuck. Yeah, so I think that this, I I liked that piece of it because it's adding to this whole new Perry Mason, who's not as good of a guy, as clean cut, as black and white as he was on the old show. Right. Uh, Apparently another reference to the old Perry Mason you know, the, the, we, we open, right? It's the opening where he's like in the courtroom doing his dance and he's yelling at Ennis and he's getting Ennis to crack. So in old Perry Mason episodes, everybody confesses on the stand because Perry Mason is such a great lawyer. Okay. Like he goes up there, he does his thing. He traps like, I did it. I, I did, did it. it. It was me. I did it. I'll tell you. And I do it again. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry or I'm not sorry. But either way, it was me. Okay. Yeah. So that apparently happened a lot in so the old Perry So that's why Mason. they had the line, nobody ever confesses on the stand. So Berger, the guy who's also from the old series, is like, nobody ever confesses on the stand. It's like a wink, wink moment. Ah, okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah. They also worked in the old theme music from the television show, apparently, according yeah. to my dad. Yeah. So they've been doing that. Throughout, 
but they they certainly played it a lot in like some moments in this final episode and I, uh, I don't know how it hit for me i yeah. liked it and i didn't like it yeah the whole honestly the whole finale it feels so old-timey i like that man. element of it though I can't do the. I can't do it. I like that element of it, though. Yeah. That it. I. But you know, I'm huge into the weird LA noir vibes of this entire thing. Right. Right. But this fi- this finale as a whole. I mean, it was just. I guess lacking in closure. Well, right, because we get the mistrial. They don't actually get her acquitted. We don't find out what's going to happen. They next don't with put her. Ennis on the stand. Ennis ends up getting got by his own guy. Yeah, what the shit? So, Which tied into like maybe making it look because wherever he got got out there, I, that was at the Lucky Lounge. That was the casino. That was the the outskirts of the casino. No shit. Okay, yeah. so th- his partner decides like this dude's too much of a liability. He's fucked this whole thing up. He's a psycho, perhaps, and he's got to go. Yeah. Or was there a higher power behind that? Because uh, you get the impression almost. So yeah. So so my read on that was, and and I mean I, I actually haven't even read a recap yet. Uh, that'll, I haven't either. That'll probably help. <laughs> um, but so uh, originally Holcomb is surprised that Ennis was a part of this, right? Right. Now we're now that now this kind of makes it seem like we're not so sure. Like, did he kind of know about this? Because this is a, I mean, he goes from, like, approaching Ennis about it a few episodes ago, being furious, to being like, who all knows about this that we need to kill? Yep. And you're like, oh, God, wow. So to the, straight up taking Ennis out. Alterna- alternatively, he, he might just now have the knowledge that Ennis was the murderer, there's a mistrial, this is a loose end now. That would make the department look like bad. they can if if they go if they went to another trial for example they could the defense could keep digging on Ennis. Mm, good point. Get him to talk or do a plea bargain or who knows any any of that type of thing that would reflect poorly on Holcomb. He goes ahead and takes care. So of he it. just take takes care of it. Takes care of it in a brutal brutal in fashion. A very brutal fashion. Literally yeah. watch this, which is nice because Ennis was a total shitbag. Right. So you want to see him go in a terrible way but the way he calmly stood there and watched it happen as these three guys drown out Ennis in a pond yeah really gives you the impression that Holcomb Holcomb is the big bad basically is perhaps worse than Ennis yes, even was exactly yeah uh, which that doesn't it, bode well for the future exactly and that, that I also certainly felt that that this guy is going to be the one that's around for next season as a crooked as cop. a crooked cop yeah a problem yeah. outside of that um Emily Dodson ends up joining Mother, mother, yes, yes, to do the Renaissance tour, go back out on the tent, the the tent circuit, the tent tour with fake Charlie. <laughs> She's just like, well, fuck it, my life's screwed. I'll take this kid and go do this nonsense, yeah, fake yeah. religious crackpot nonsense with you. Mm-hmm. That was weird. Um, sister ends up working at a diner. What did you think about the decision to close out the season with Perry and her? sort of talking in this wherever location where he discovers that she's now incognito, changed up the hair, working as a waitress, trying to find a normal life away from all this shit. And then why did he feel the need to 
sort of update her on her mom's whereabouts, what they're doing. It made me wonder if they're going to tie that into season two somehow. Like, will she be a part of trying to stop that sort of religious yeah, craziness I, or what? I don't what? know. I don't know. Um, it was an interesting choice, though, because it was... Obviously, that was such a huge part of this season, right? Sister's story, everything going on with that church, the radiant assembly of God was such a huge part. And then it really just ends up sort of fizzling out in a way that I didn't anticipate. Yeah. Now there's now we we do the Radiant Assembly, the the rest of it ends up getting prosecuted and charged for all of their bad stuff that they're doing. Right. That's what Strickland goes on to help Berger with now that he's a lead investigator uh, for the yeah, okay. assistant uh, okay. district attorney. And that that they kind of you know they kind of so, mo- montage that in there at the end a little bit. Strickland working for diner meeting guy who is gunning for the new DA job. Yes. Wow, that really puts us in an interesting position for season two with Strickland and Perry's relationship. Exactly. So we were we were all worried that Strickland was going to get got. got here. Different I, kind of. I getting. think going once he didn't get got last episode, I was like, okay, something's something's going on here. It's weird to kill Shea Wiggum in the first season anyway, especially on an HBO show where he's, you know, he's fam. He's a regular. And uh, so I, what, I, I was wondering what they were going to do with that. And now, well, now we, I love it. Now we kind of know Strickland is joining the other team. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's going to be wild to see how that plays out in season two. So, they so really- Drake, Drake comes on, fills the, fills the Strickland the role. The Strickland role, formerly the Perry role even. Yes. And, a lot um, of changing places in this yes. season. And now we've got that little team with Perry Della and Paul Drake, and then Strickland and Berger over on the other side working for the working for the city. Have to imagine that uh, season two. Now the guy who played the the uh, DA, also an HBO regular. True. True. Have a hard time seeing him back though i would imagine they just go straight you know how they don't they'll do some time yeah whether they uh, maybe jump the or other not. guys just right. straight up already the da and strickland is his assistant could be or if they if they do something with the running against that guy in the next one who knows um but but anyways uh, back back to your you know back to the ending there with uh-huh. with um sister sister alice and perry w- were you getting like romantic vibes at all uh, a, a little okay. i mean the they, way were both, that, they were both like talking about how they, they, they're alone. Do they have to be alone? I, I don't know. I, I, those I don't questions know. certainly lent themselves to, to uh, viewers wondering about was there a connection between these two people, especially after Perry's sort of love interest in the season ends up like buying his house out from under him and <laughs> turning it into an airfield or whatever uh-huh. the fuck that was about. That was just bizarre to see on like, – she went from being like a cool – unconventional sort of love story for this main character to like totally fucking him. And I mean, explaining it being like, look, I don't get a lot of shots at this. Gotta, gotta look out for number one. Look at my position in society. This is what I have to do. Uh, He's just unable to forgive her based on the circumstances. So I don't know. I sort of felt that sexual tension between uh, Alice and and Perry a little bit or whatever. I mean, I end up talking like out on this like cliffside or whatever. Mm -hmm. Right. Just sort of like a, and closing the season on them too. Again, it made it feel like there was going to be more to their relationship. Like why end with her if she's not going to play into the next season somehow or in some way, or or I don't know. I don't know what they'll, if they'll go the romantic route or if she'll be part of like helping him better the world. 
in a different redeemable way for her because this is obviously her whole life has been this massive charade basically uh i don't don't, don't know couldn't get a feel for it love the way paul drake's story ended up uh him turning in his badge with the bribe money and just becoming perry's number two guy basically for investigative purposes Mm -hmm. we sort of saw that from a from a what four episodes ago kind of coming towards the coming towards that point glad it happened um i mean all in all I thoroughly enjoyed this season of television. It was very good. I thought it, it it didn't stumble necessarily. It just like closed on a bit of a whimper for me. I, I, I guess I expected some more fireworks. I thought maybe he would pull some ace, get her completely off the hook. Not a mistrial. Yeah. Not guilty. I, I think that, yeah, I, I went in with probably similar expectations. And I think that the show subverted those expectations very much on purpose. Which I'm cool it with. It adds like this layer of reality. It adds this nuance to the show that it's that it wants to operate more in these gray areas than it does on like this black and white. It doesn't give you that big courtroom moment where he breaks down Ennis, gets him to crack, and like it's that feel good thing where Perry's you know courtroom chops get him the victory. Mm-hmm. Right? Not only did do they not get that, but they were out on the back end paying off a juror. A juror to make sure that it happened, to, to make sure that, that they at least got the mistrial. Right. So, very, you know, very much we're, we're still, we're, we're getting more into that noir genre where, where even the good guys Have, are like, are crooked. get their hands dirty a little bit. Yeah. And so I think that bodes well for the show going forward. But you certainly, I, I did expect more of like that big kind of crashing moment where everything really comes to the head. Now, I'd say based on the success of the first seven chapters and the eighth not being bad or something I didn't enjoy, just a little less pop than I expected, all things considered, and the fact that they've been renewed for a season two probably gives season two more gravity for me and more excitement and hype for me to see where they take it from here based on the complicated, complicated, complex nature of the ending of the first season yeah. and the way that they did sort of turn it on its head for us not really give us some of the things we expected or wanted to get and then set up all these other wild outside circumstances. Now, how they continue to work religion and the whole the whole mother and and whether or not we even see her my my guess is again, that we're my guess is that we're finished with Sister Alice and the the Radiant Assembly. Uh, I, there, it would there just was... be weird to continue to drag the the main um, the mother of Charlie. What's what the hell is her name? Yeah, I'm right. My mind right. Right. Uh, Emily, Emily Dodson. Emily Dodson. Yeah, weird to drag Emily it, Dodson into season I think, two. I think that's done. Obviously, like I like I said up top, I do not think that there will be a retrial of that. I think that you know he's just posturing there at the end, saying that of course they will, um, trying to make a loss look like a a tie at the very least. And there, there was a there was finality to that moment there at the end between Perry and Sister Mason. Like, there's no indication that they will remain connected. Sister Alice, right? Sister Alice, okay. yes, yeah. And right, Perry. there is no indication. Like, they have that little chat. He asks her how like this whole thing could happen. They were her her church basically was party to murdering a baby, and yet she still has so much faith. How does that work? Mm-hmm. And I guess that you know that that all had the the poetic kind of religious tie up religious tie-in and also kind of spoke to 
the justice system is so corrupt, right? Like, how do you believe that? How can you actually believe that it works? Right. So. Like it, it goes both ways. The religious side, yeah. corrupt. The political side or the justice side, corrupt. Yeah. But yeah, you, that was but interesting. You, but you buy in and you put your faith in it because it's what you believe in. And she said to so, him at one point, like, you want to believe in him so badly, don't you? Yeah. Yeah, there were some good lines in there, too. Uh, Matthew Reese as a whole, uh, as his performance in this season, what were your thoughts on him as Perry Mason? How, how did he uh, do? I, I really, really liked him. Like we talked about earlier in the season, like, I have a very hard time imagining Robert Downey Jr. having tackled this ro- role as well. Yes. And with so much just, like, innate kind of sadness in, yeah. in, in him. Robert Downey Jr. is is hard to see him as anything other than Tony Stark now. No, I would sort have loved to see it every... because I, because Robert Downey Jr. is a great actor. He's he's got some of that in him. He's just been like, he's been the quirky, sharp tongued, you know, Iron Man Tony Stark guy for so long that it's really hard to picture him out outside of that. Yeah. Um, I thought he did, Reese did phenomenal. I agree. In terms They're, of the mixed bag of like good guy, complex guy, the past that they drug in the first few episodes showing us some of the World War One shit, uh, him being willing to get his hands dirty, taking EB's spot as the, the attorney representing this woman. Like it was all, everything he did, it just, it just felt accurate yeah it it was good there were a couple of moments here in the last episode and maybe in the last two where he kind of goes into like this like super frustrated yelling monologue Uh kind of freaks out on people kind of freaks out i it felt you know if i'm critiquing i would have pulled it back a bit a notch a notch yeah there was a lot of frustration because it felt when it whenever that whenever you get those like big blow-ups like that it's just it's always you're always riding this fine line between like being really theatrical and being like true to true to life right right and so sometimes it just it was riding that line very finely for me i agree with that there was there was a few standout moments of his blow-ups mm-hmm. where you're like geez perry <laughs> chill the fuck out these people are yeah. helping you yeah why are you always freaking on the, the, the squad so. bro yeah, thought but he was great. Steven Root was phenomenal. All in all, a really fun season of television. I think we were both very, very just charmed by the whole 30s L.A. noir setting. And uh, yeah, I, 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 <laughs> I hope this show can come back sooner rather than later because I'm looking forward to seeing who the new client is, right? New mystery lady. Yeah. Up she, in the office. She's just a hot blonde she's who comes just, in and says... She, she can pay the retainer, baby. I'm in trouble. Yeah. But I can pay the retainer. <laughs> He's like, you're in. Uh, everybody did a great job with this one. Chris Chalk was awesome. Shea Wiggum was awesome. John Lithgow was awesome. Julia uh, Rylance St- as, as Della was very, phenomenal. Very good. Um, yeah, Andrew Howard as Detective Venice was so fucking hateable. Oh, yeah. Oh, so yeah. evil. Stephen Root as Maynard Barnes, just unbelievable. The writing on this show was great. All in all, ended up being like a solid B minus for me, I think. Um, okay, like, yeah. Like an eighty-two or something out of a hundred, because just because of the, you know, it's it didn't do anything too too special and new, right? Okay, right. It was very good throughout. Just a solid ending, not spectacular. Didn't. It's not a show where the finale of the first season and I sat there like mind blown, right? But it was solid. Yeah, and I and I do think that that show. I think the show will be. That's what I think it's going to ride. I think it's going to ride that B that you know. That solid, solid B, B minus, B plus area. I don't think it's trying to do anything 
too too crazy. It's a it's a it's a it's an H, it's HBO's version of a procedural. And it's imp- that yes, exactly. And it's important that they knew that and that they went they stayed in that lane. They didn't try to bust out and do some shit that would ruin the whole damn thing or yeah. fuck up the story. They stayed in that lane. It's you're right. HBO's solid L.A. Noir style procedural. They've got a season two. They've got a whole bunch of characters lined up from season one that we get to play with. Yep. We saw Big Bad removed. Clear that other big bad guys are out there. Uh, we've got great setup between Perry Strickland, the potential new DA who's a, currently assistant DA gunning for the job. Everything that we saw sort of uh, unfolding in season one came to a close in a way that would set it up to do new shit in season two. Mazel, mazel. Yes. Let's talk about The Great. Huzzah. Indeed. The Great Season 1. Mm-hmm. Last time we spoke, I think I was five episodes through. That's correct. You were halfway. So obviously I had met um, all of the characters. All of them. And everything had been set up where Catherine was clearly going to try to make a move on the old emperor here. Yep. And get rid of his insane ass, uh, which he maintained. Like, he, he almost becomes more crazy- when he starts to fall in love with her, just because he's so deranged and insane. Um, but one of the things that we that we had discussed prior about Peter, Peter the blank, played by Nicholas Holt, was that his character is both horrifying and lovable. Yes. He is a monster, yet you cannot help but smile at some of the obscene, ridiculous, offensive things he says and does. That becomes even more complicated as the season progresses and as he starts to develop less sociopathic and more like regular human tendencies and feelings when he starts to fall in love with her and he's like, I have a strange feeling. <laughs> like he can't even explain to her like what's and then he's like, I think I'm falling in love with you. I got that old timey old fashioned feeling, Harry. <laughs> yeah. Or I'd do anything to boner. They fucking <laughs> she's so thrown off by his like emotions and stuff. The first moment we see that, of course, is after his uh, Peter's aunt gives him a tongue trick to go down on Catherine. That's right. It's the yeah. first time we see her like, uh-oh, this is problematic. <laughs> I enjoyed that. <laughs> and then that sort of progresses from there as as she does her job too well. She tries to play Peter by basically mimicking his ideas, behaviors, even his speech patterns, the way she starts to talk to him mm-hmm. when, and present crazy ideas that he's like, I love that idea, wife. Huzzah. <laughs> like, it just gets... She does it so well that he literally starts to fall for her. And the entire thing, this whole massive plot that she has put out to get rid of this guy, to to make Russia better, to take the throne, take Russia into a new age with arts and science and learning and freedom to some degree, uh, helping the serfs out, it all gets completely derailed in the end as there's just like... All these people who you thought were on the same page just fail to execute at the same time. Really, the biggest thing being that her lover, what's his name? Uh, Leo. Leo, played by Sebastian D'Souza, or Souza, I don't know, uh, chokes hard by accidentally letting it out of the bag to this random, whatever, Yeah. fucking not a surf. Lord, a random lord, aristocrat, whatever, mm-hmm. that it is indeed Catherine who is behind this coup, resulting in him having to beat the man to death with a rock, <laughs> which really unravels the entire thing from there. In the end, 
it's the really it's the the maid her maid friend who is her closest friend in the whole season one the whole of season one mm-hmm. who is the biggest betrayal when she decides that her becoming a lady again we had discussed how her father had uh, put her in a position where their family lost their standing in the court well, it turns out what her father did was actually have sex with uh, Peter's mother's corpse in <laughs> yes. front of him, which was one of the funnier and most disgusting things I've ever seen in my life. Becoming a lady and restoring her place in the court is more important to her than, than Catherine's safety, than, Ka- than Catherine's new Russia. She just wants her freaking life back, man. Yeah, and there's a lot. I mean, look, she doesn't, She, to her credit, she also does not break until... Things have started to Things go awry. Have gone horribly wrong, and this is not working the, the way they planned it to. Sure. So the, it's looking like Catherine is on the losing side here, and there's a chance for her to save her skin and, and have so her does. ladyship restored. So she does. So it's not a full on like it's a betrayal, but I, but th- there was I, I certainly with reasoning behind it. There's there's reasoning behind it, and it's 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 really self preservation. More than anything. Yeah, it's but not, just... It's not like, she, you know, she didn't nip it in the bud. She didn't go straight to Peter right before they were going to launch the coup and be like, hey, you're about to get uh, overthrown, and I'll tell you who's about to do it if you restore my my status. Yeah, but it's she... It's really she, like, oh my God, this is, this is all going to hell. We're all going to be murdered. I have a chance to save myself and, and get what I want, so... She goes and keeps Orlo from being able to assassinate... The Archbishop, basically. Turns that into a fight rather than a straight-up assassination. <laughs> yep. Um, the part that made me angry at her was when she reveals to Peter the extent of their plotting and planning, where she shows, shows him, him the, whole the wall board. Yeah. behind yeah. the pulled-back curtain, and you're just like, that yep. felt like such a betrayal. That's fair. Um, that I was so, I was just like very pu- obviously supposed to be, but put off by her character and her, her choice to choose selfishness over the greater good. Right. Which is the thing that Catherine kept trying to pick was the greater good, even if that did mean she, that she was the choice. Obviously, that benefited her. Um, when she walks away from Leo in the woods, she's mm-hmm. out there, she says goodbye to him, basically, and knowing that full well there's a good chance he's going to be murdered. Yep. Then Leo ends up on a hunting party with Peter... Gregor, Gregor, whatever, and Gregor, excuse me, it is an I. And uh, then they go to assassinate him, and he takes like a shot in the freaking shoulder, (laughs) and then the knee. (laughs) And they're like, well, now we can't kill him, it'll look terrible, (laughs) and she'll be angry, like she'll know this wasn't a hunt. I love how he tries to frame everything up as accidents. He was going to do her with a carriage accident, Uh, he was going to do Leo with the uh, the old hunting accident, Um, but we, we don't get closure on what happens with leo it just is uh basically them talking there still we don't know if he's gonna end up dead it's pretty you're right we don't know as as we learn from game of thrones if we don't see a body they're not dead yet um stannis he's still out there right he's still out there man (laughs) uh but but i would i would certainly uh presume that 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 is the end for leo Man, that'd be sad. And uh, one of the things that I right, like I, the, one of the things that I wanted to say, I uh, wanted to talk about here, is one of the reasons that I loved the show. And it, as I said on our Patreon episode, where we where we uh, where we covered some of our favorites from the first half of the year, 
Like this show really had everything for me that I was I and I was so excited to watch it. I laughed out loud at parts of this show. It was very dramatic. Oh, it had an amazing story, amazing writing, which we talked about uh, for the first five episodes. And at the same time, like I was I, I was nervous every time I put on a new episode because Leo was in the crosshairs pretty much for the whole entire back half of the season. And so you ha- you kept having this sense, right? Th- their relationship is going too well. She's too happy with him. Yeah. It cannot possibly continue. Things have to go wrong. This guy is probably going to to, Get to be a casualty. The yeah. cunnilingus being the first step of the way there. Yeah. Yeah. And so that 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 you know, that undertone was always with me every time I put on a new episode. And and that's but that's part of why it was so great because mm-hmm. it's giving you so, so much. Um I, I think that I mean that that the end there too is just very, very uh, poignant and sad and emotional as she essentially has to say that that Russia is her great love, not Leo. You know, she thought it She's was like, going to be him. I it's, know I yeah. can change the world. Yeah. Sorry, and, guy. Yes. And so uh, he's on board with it. He understands. It's this big, you know, climactic moment, which I thought hit really well. Um, and, and it and, really fit with all of his, you know, basically being a nihilist. He was just there for the, you know, as Orlo put it, drinks and snacks. <laughs> Dude, everybody needs a drinks and snacks guy. It's fair. I thought he was great drinks and Shout snacks Shout out to Hot Pie. He's going to bring the charcuterie board for you, man. This guy had great vibes, man. He's- Such good vibes. He was he was awesome. And um, I, I I just finished up Normal People last week as well. And he's got a small role. He's He's got a couple episodes. And it was really, really, it gives you a lot of insight into him as an actor because he basically plays the same role in both episodes, in both shows. Oh, no shit. But he, he like dials up the charm a little too much in normal people. It's a, it's just, it's fascinating to watch because he's so likable. He's so charming. He's so sweet and the great. And then he kind of plays this very, very similar role, but he's a total douchebag in normal people and you don't like him. Oh, no shit. So it's very you root for him like, on one, not on the other. Yeah, really, really like good, like just very just tweaking the dials to really play the nuances there and, and make you love him or hate him. Uh, one episode specifically that I that I, we have to talk about and bring up is the meatballs at the Dasha. Yeah. Where Peter meets the person that he is having a war with. The Swedish the king, king. The king of Sweden. And they proceed to have an hour long bro down. Which is just the most fun televi- episode of television maybe I've watched this year. Like the it's, second that episode they were is incredible. pulling up in the boat, and you see that they have striking similarities in in, <laughs> in fashion and whatnot, and she, he sort of looks at Catherine and like looks back at them. You get the feeling of where this is going, and I was like, from the from the second, I was like, oh my god, this is genius. <laughs> it was so much of this show was so well written, witty, and genius. But that episode in particular was one of the funniest things, like you said, that I have that I've ever seen on TV. Period. In terms of one episode in a capsule, mm-hmm. dude. He was like, "We've just seen fish jumping out of the water. We should get pistols and go <laughs> shoot them." He's like, "Genius, huzzah!" <laughs> like you're just like, "Oh my god!" And then you get Catherine talking to the Queen of Sweden or yeah. whatever Empress. I don't know. Uh, and she's basically saying the opposite of what happened. Like. Catherine is trying to bring science and, and learning and, and a printing press. The, the Swedish lady is telling her, my idiot husband brought 
science and learning in the printing press, and now all the people want to kill us, basically. <laughs> yeah. Like that knowledge and, and all that that they gave to the serfs was a bad thing, yep. and Catherine's standing there like, oh, oh <laughs> yeah. no. Also, but, her being like, she was sort of the Peter, the, the, the empress of Sweden or whatever, was sort of the Peter of their relationship. She asks her point blank, like, your husband is very handsome. Would you mind if I? And she's like, you mean, you like, oh, oh, I, I guess, I guess not. <laughs> what the hell? Yeah. Uh, but I, I thought that that episode, that's eight, that was really like the peak of you, you like, you cannot help but like Peter a little bit. Yeah. He's such a, the word that I always come back to with the show, like he's such adult, you know? He's he's, so, he's boyish. He's so boyish and, and, and fun-loving to an extent. Also has like this sick side to him. Sociopathic. Sociopathic yeah. side to him. Um, and we get reasons re- for that. It's so funny. Like he's so funny with it. And he's just like, for not like, I hate that, I hate that he wasn't nominated for an award because I just thought that this, although his performance, especially both, both of the leads, absolutely phenomenal. It is horseshit that he was not nominated. Um, but he is just so like Catherine, very likable from the get go, right? Like you really empathize with her. You love rooting her, for you her, the love whole her time. story. You're rooting for her the whole time. But for him to be so charming, funny, also so hateable all at the same and time. You just like have this mixed bag of emotions where you're like, <laughs> and the <laughs> why thing do is I they, like you? They gave us so many of these little glimpses into why he is the way he is, starting with like probably episode like three or four, I can't recall, where, you know, you find out that basically his parents were utter and complete psychos. His mom once bit a chunk out of him and his aunt is like, it was a small chunk. Uh, he had to watch his aunt have sex with his dad many times. Um, one time when he was playing toy soldiers in the corner, he his childhood, his upbringing resulted in him being monstrous and very confused and totally disconnected from reality, the real world, anything that would resemble it. Um, which is funny because in contrast, his aunt murders, what's his, Ivan? Ivan. The small boy who, like, when you get these glimpses of Peter, you have to imagine he was probably a little bit like Ivan as a boy. At one point, the aunt says, ah, he was always smashing something, whether it was a toy or a footman. Like, he clearly did really messed up shit when he was a little kid, too, and was a little psychopath. Mm -hmm. But for whatever reason, the aunt and many other people, apparently, had the vision and the idea that Peter would be this phenomenal leader that would take them into the next level after Peter the Great was gone. Ivan, on the other hand, was a problem that, that that needed to be discarded. Um, it seemed like Catherine's downfall was bringing too many people into the circle. She couldn't stop telling, like she ends up telling the aunt and asks her like, where would you stand if this were to happen? Like too many people know by the time it's go time mm-hmm. that it's almost like there's no way this is going to go right. Yeah. Very, very tough thing to pull off here, this coup, though, right? Because you need you need the numbers. You need the backing for yes. when this inevitably goes down. Yes. So as a as a as the orchestrator of a coup, that's that's part of your main job is reading the situation and deciding when you can bring somebody over. Right. Now, that is obviously the scariest thing that you could possibly do, because you have to admit basically what you are doing to somebody 
and see what they give back to you, as is the, you know, as we see with Leo, who doesn't get the right response and um, then has to murder somebody with a rock. Yeah. <laughs> Velimentov is like, grab a rock. One of the best characters in the season, by Velimentov the way. Velimentov also, yeah. That I fat mean, fuck. <laughs> He's unbelievable, dude. He was so funny. He would go from, like, varying stages of drunkenness, like, blackout slurring drunk Velimentov versus, like, put together uh but sort of drinking yeah, Velimentov yeah. like I have a question the season ends with her running back to the palace looking Velimentov in the eye and nodding her head yeah. and he fires a pistol shot up in the air and the mm-hmm. credits roll what that was the significance so of this? they're they're basically what has happened there is that Peter and Catherine have had their conversation and basically, like, he is going to, he's got Leo, and he's basically saying, like, call this off, or or, or, Leo, dies. or Leo dies. Um, Everything's at kind of like a stalemate at that moment. So there's a ceasefire. Everybody's guns are down, basically. And so, which she goes, has the convers- has the meeting with Leo, and is basically like... Sorry, guy. I'm, I'm, I have to sacrifice you, essentially, because we have to do this. So that's so a when continuation. She, when she nods at Velimentov, that's, let's go. We're, con- we're continuing the, the fight. The coup. The coup. Holy hell. Yeah. Uh, so when the credits started to roll right after the pistol shot, was one of the moments in television history for me where I yelled, no, <laughs> no, because it was such a good, it was a great cliffhanger, man, to, yeah. to set us there and, and wait for season two. So much happened in season one that unlike with Perry Mason, there's literally no way I can complain about the way the final, the finale unfolded. If it had all gone to plan, we would have lost arguably the best character on the show, uh, Peter, which could not happen. Right. Halfway through the season, I was like, well, this guy's not going to (laughs) die. Yeah. Because this is a fucking unbelievable character story, uh, it always they always give you like a what does it say a, a partially true or a, exactly a and that, sort of and true story to that at the end, beginning. Catherine lives with Peter in in history, and I'm I'm not going to get this completely accurate. Occasionally true story, excuse yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. Um, but in history, she was the wife of Peter for I, I want to say like 20 years before before overthrowing him. Mm. So I I certainly don't anticipate the show to try to make that type of leap in fact it's it's possible that that we get some type of 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 coup here in second season um although that that seems sort of unlikely uh that it that it all goes to plan but yeah anyways she she has to to live with peter and and make do and and make that work for many many years in in real in real history and the conversation they have is essentially her saying look you suck at this i have great ideas i want to be able to shape Russia in a way that will also reflect greatly upon you, right? Yeah, her her pitch there is basically to, like, let him be a, a you know... Shitty monster, just psycho... Just Lothario, just go about doing his... Having sex with Gregor's fucking wife. drinking, eating, Drinking, just being, being a debaucherous, you know, shithead. Mm-hmm. And I'll run it. and And you get to live the life that you really want to live. It's interesting, yeah, because that's obviously happened many, many times throughout history, even recently, um, in our lifetime, perhaps. <laughs> but uh, 
it, it sets us up for a season two where I imagine we'll get to see Catherine implementing more of her ideas while also having to continue to handle Peter. I just wonder sort of where their relationship I, yeah, goes. Yeah, I from don't here. know how they how they're going to pull that off. That's one of the great question. That's marks. one of the great questions, and and why season two just absolutely has to happen, and and hopefully as soon as possible. doesn't take three years. Yeah. I was shocked because I'm I'm totally interested to see how they do that. Like, because they they kind of have to keep coexisting. Yes, they at this they just gave us the setup for them to have to continue coexisting. Yeah. They have to. I was shocked that Grigor didn't end up being like somehow party to the. What's the name of the dude who they made him shave his face? Don't remember. I'm gonna have to look it up. Yeah. Shaved face guy. <laughs> uh, that dude's attempt at murder. At, at assassinating Peter was so... Laughably bad. So, so awful. <laughs> what the hell was he doing? Hey, here's the thing. If you're trying to pull off a, an assassination of a, of a leader or something, maybe, just maybe, 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 peek into the room you're entering before you enter, see who's in there, if your target's in there. You don't just burst yeah, into try, the door and be like, oh, wait a minute, this is a couple of women and a random guy. Try a bit of stealth on for size. What do you do? What do you, even if My you're... Man. He's huge, granted, hard for him to pull off stealth, but still, I'm just happy he got a good lay in there before <laughs> yeah. before it was all said and done. But my God, man, what were you thinking? That was just, just a terrible attempt that at no point had any chance of actually coming to fruition. Yeah. Bummed me out bad, and I can't find this fucker's name, so... Now Why do goes, I want to say Demetrius? Now he goes on a... Because it's something crazy like that. Let me yeah. keep scrolling. I'll find it. I'll find it. You want to tell us a story about... I don't know. Something? Um, no, man. I don't have... I, I got nothing else Son for you. Son of a bitch. Son <laughs> of a bitch. Where is this guy's freaking name? How many characters are in this show? I'm down to Swedish soldier and I don't see this guy You probably guy already yet. passed it. That's, that's, that's impossible. That's impossible. Okay, yeah. Arcady was the other guy who was on the, uh, the hunting assassination trip uh, with yes. Leo. Yeah. Who, oh my God, the episode where he tortures every single member of the fucking court was unreal the torture methods the fact that Catherine went down and was like i, I want some rustov rustov thank you dude wow that was gonna haunt me for the rest of the day <laughs> yeah rustov's attempt at assassinating peter was just absolutely trash he was even given the perfect perfect opportunity with a secret entrance to go get his ass you could say Rustov is the reason this entire thing I, yeah, goes he, he, completely he sideways he did man botch it. he very much botched it and the fact that well, Marina, whatever her name was, let him in, mm -hmm, showed mm -hmm. him that thing. She unraveled the whole deal. Her love for the archbishop and refusal to oh, let Mariel, him... Oh, Mariel. Mariel, sorry. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Refusal to let him die, let him go. Uh, obviously very problematic for the Empress and her attempt at this coup. God, there were a lot of good characters and good, uh, good shit on this show. Orlo killing a guy, then trying to be like the guy who always talks about the time he killed a guy. Hilarious. I need... I need as many of these people back next year as possible. If Leo is the sacrifice, so be it. I think Leo is going to be the sacrifice. I, I must do. have Velimentov. I must have the Archbishop. I think you're getting all those players back. Orlo, I've got to have him. <laughs> got to continue to see how this dork turns into a hard, rough Russian. Phenomenal first season. I mean, honestly, all, th all things considered, through the finale... This was like I'm gonna I'm gonna say a 93 out of 100 for me. This was a it was probably my favorite show I've watched this year. Yeah, it it, it certainly ranks extremely high for me. I, I I really it's hard to find a fault with this show. 
this season. Incredibly season. well written. Just very incredibly very well, well acted. Cool spin on a period piece with a shit ton of comedy inserted. Yeah. Occasionally a true story. Occasionally a true story. But always fun, buried. Always fun. Love the great. Love season one. Yeah, I don't know, ninety three, ninety four, somewhere in there. Yeah. A minus. Yeah. Man, I can't. I can't a plus unless it's like. Oh, I'm a plusin, baby. You're a plusin. I'm a plusin. I'm. 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 I'm gonna give it some breathing. Yeah, let it. Before. Yeah, you just finished. Let just, it breathe. It's let like it breathe. It's, it's sitting in the decanter still for me. I've got to let it breathe a little bit, and then I'll tell you exactly how good it was. But it's at least an A minus. At least. I mean, if this doesn't make my top three tv shows i watched this year i will be utterly and completely shocked and it will mean that we are in for a hell of a back half yeah these yeah. last four months of the year with in, in, in terms of television which oh, i doubt yeah. very much the great was great barrett the great was great aptly named the great and that will do it for today's episode of occ huge thanks to our sponsor for today felix gray for supporting the show felixgrayglassescom slash occ you can also support us directly in exchange for three or four ad-free premium episodes every month by going to patreon.com slash oysters, clams, cockles. Patreon is simply a platform that allows us to bring you more podcasts directly without third-party advertising involved. You, uh, you simply back the show with a minimum $5 pledge to join the Crustacean Nation or a minimum $10 pledge to join the Mollusk Militia. The former gives you three additional ad-free episodes every month. The latter, four Additional ad-free episodes every month, the fourth of which is your Mollusk Militia exclusive hotline call extravaganza, where you can call into your Mollusk Militia exclusive hotline that is uh, it's much, much easier to get played than it would be on our, our normal OCC hotline, which we never even hit anymore because it's so freaking backlogged at this point. But uh, yeah, go to patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash oysters, clams, cockles. Join either the Crustacean Nation or the Mollusk Militia. Support the show. Get more episodes of OCC ad-free. On a monthly basis. Last week, Barrett and I did our top five movies of all time on Patreon, which was one of the more difficult and then fun discussions we've ever had. Mm-hmm. That was a good um, one. That was a very good one. We had some crossover, not as much as I anticipated, probably. And just in general, I thought it was sort of a, a well-rounded discussion of some of the best movies ever made, especially in our lifetime, right? A lot of, a lot of our top five, all of our top fives, I think. Were any of our top fives made before we were born? I don't think yeah, they were. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Oh, oh. They were. Oh. Well, we, we can't tell people. We can't tell them, though. We can't we tell can't them. You got to go listen to the episode. But Barrett and I, uh, we break down most. It's like, I think I had like 35 of my favorite movies ever on a list. We talk about all these different movies, best movies ever made. And then we pick our five favorites, Barrett in no particular order, just as five favorites, me ranking specifically my one through five. Go join patreon.com slash oysters, clams, cockles, pledge. Support the show and go listen to that episode and watch it if you want to right now. Patreon.com slash oysters, clams, cockles. Follow us on social media for updates on the uh, best in TV and film. And also when new episodes drop, we're on Instagram at oysters, clams, cockles. We're on Twitter at clams and cockles. We're on Facebook.com slash oysters, clams, cockles. You can follow me, Ross Bolin, at WRBolin, at W-R-B-O-L-E-N, on Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat. And listen to my other podcast, the Ross Bolin Podcast, also brought to you by Bolin Media. Uh, available wherever you listen to OCC. We have a focus on mental health, but it's comedy humor. We talk a lot about animals, current events, news, history, pirates, serial killers on occasion, 
We have a blast. The Ross Boland Podcast available wherever you listen to OCC. And Mr. Dudley, where can we hear more of your voice and follow you on the social yes. mediums and medias? Uh, at Barrett Dudley, Instagram and Twitter. And then check out uh, the Club Cool Podcast wherever you're listening to OCC. Meet at the intersection of style and pop culture. Pop culture. One new episode each week. Mm. It's a great time over there. Ross, the thing about pirates, there's no new pirates. I'm running out of pirates. You're, I'm sure you're coming to the end on the pirates. I found one last week, and I was like, oh, thank God, because it's been months. I mean, the first couple years of the show, we did so many damn pirates, literally, you by the way. You exhausted your pirate supply. Exhausted the pirate supply, and nobody knows anything about any of these pirates. They're all their, their birth and death accounts are Who all knows? over the... Yeah. I just end up They're making pirates. up stuff. I, I am the history book now. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, great show today. Thank you all for being here. Hope you enjoyed all of Perry Mason's season one on HBO as much as we did, as well as The Great on Hulu. If you have thoughts, feelings, concerns, any other shows aside from Yellowstone that you think Barrett and I should consider watching, uh, even if it's uh, something older or new, really doesn't matter. Throw them at us. Hit us with them. We've been hearing from a lot of y'all about uh, a couple different shows that are on HBO that you're interested in hearing from us on. We are considering them as well, but keep coming at us on social media at WR Bolin, at Barrett Dudley, at the Oysters, Clams, Cockles account on Instagram, at Clams and Cockles on Twitter. Holler at us. Let us know what y'all are feeling, what's coming up that you'd like to hear us cover, and uh, what you want more of. Happy to oblige, we are. Until our next helping, goodbye, friends. Goodbye, friends.